Welcome to Sing Coach Conduct, the podcast for singers and singing teachers. If you're like me, then you grew up hearing about Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but maybe you never read the book or had the opportunity to dive into each of the habits. Maybe you're already familiar with the Seven Habits and want to know how they can be applied to the classroom. Either way, I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Eric Cadena is a music educator in East Lansing, Michigan, and has served in many, many leadership roles throughout the years. He's the current president-elect of the Michigan School Vocal Music Association. He's helped plan the Michigan Music Conference. He's been the director of the Michigan Youth Arts Festival and MSVMA Summer Conference, and his students have participated in vocal events from district to all state level. I always see Eric working behind the scenes at events, but I've never had the chance to just sit down and get to know him, so this was a real treat for me. I learned so much listening to him talk about his family and the way he lives his life according to these seven habits. So let's get into it. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm with Eric Cadena, and he is the, I want to make sure I get this right, you are the president-elect Is that correct right now? Of MSVMA, the Michigan School Vocal Music Association. And you have done so many amazing things throughout your career. You've been involved in um, choir and singing a really long time. And I'm so excited because you're going to talk to us about the seven habits of highly effective people, which is something that I... I've known about for a long time, but I've never gotten into with anybody. So you're going to teach me a lot today, and I'm really excited about that. Excellent. So why don't we go ahead and just start with, you know, who are you? Yeah, I just appreciate you reaching out first uh, and foremost, Megan, and just asking me to be on here so I could talk about myself and tell my story and all that. And I mean, you mentioned MSVMA. I very much feel myself as a product of MSVMA as far as like my professional life goes and, you know, kind of tracking my history back 25 years um, to when I was like a 14-year-old kid in choir and had a teacher that was like, you should do solo on ensemble. But, you know, my teacher being Eric Wongman, right? Many people know Eric Wongman. Like that's, that was my formative, like f- formal musical training was having Eric Wongman as like a high school um, choir teacher, but he also was down at the middle school level as well. So, I mean, you think of like where that started to, you know, all the different things that I'm, I'm doing now. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's professional life. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much um, v- very in tune and very close with my family. And, uh, you know, I guess one of the interesting things about me is f- growing up in a mixed family. So, so my dad uh, is Mexican and my mom is white. And uh, kind of seeing the differences in culture between those two um, recognizing that, that more, I guess, as an adult than I did as a kid, but not really knowing that, like, that was a thing that was unique and interesting about me, right? To be able to be like, well, my Mexican side of the family does this, the white side of the family does does this, and, and how completely different um, that is. 
So, so in yeah. your family, you have really uh, worked to sort of um, blend the cultures, but also identifying what you know belongs to which culture, like honoring both. Is that what your family has been like? Yeah, in in some ways that's that's true. Not necessarily like in my own immediate family, but very much for like the extended family. I mean, it's very it was very normal to go to my grandma's house, my dad's mom's house, and like you show up and it, she's in the kitchen making rice and she's making tamales and she's making like she's flipping tortillas. She's like all those different things that you would associate with like food in a Mexican household. And they're just like a bazillion of us. <laughs> I mean, there's right. It's like <laughs> my dad was one of my dad's one of seven kids and they had, you know, 23 grandchildren. So I'm like one of the 23 grandchildren. And, you know, it goes on to, you know, I think there's like, I, I don't even know how many great grandchildren there are now. I was just trying to keep track of that, but I know those numbers. And so you think like big family, lots of sound, lots of, um, happiness, lots of music. I mean, really, when I think about music, music really came from my dad's side of the family. That passion and drive for music was since I was a little kid at Christmas time singing. And my uncles, my grandpa would play guitar, my uncles would play guitar, eventually my cousins would play guitar. And, you know, as I got older, I would play piano and, you know, th that type of thing. Like music was always a part of my life and my family and msvma was you know my formal music training and like like you were saying it's like the two different sides of the family so then cross over to my mom's side and you walk in and like the football game is on <laughs> everyone's kind of sitting around and you know there there's women you know the women are like kind of in the kitchen you know, making whatever, uh, you know, ham and mashed potatoes and green beans and, you know, all the different sides and whatever. And we're all just kind of sitting around watching the football game and no one's saying anything. <laughs> it's very right. And there's just that like awkwardness of like, we're here. Yep. And like, I mean, everyone's soft-spoken. Everyone's just kind of, kind of there. And, you know, I think the, the person that's the most awkward is then my dad you know, because he's got like, all, he's like, hey, so tell me about, tell me about this, tell me that. And they're just like, blah, 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 blah. you know, it's just like, there are five or six words and then go back to watching the game. Right. And so I, I don't know. It was just, it just kind of cracks me up when I, when I think back on it. That's really funny. Do you think you, do you favor your mom's side or your dad's side? I don't know that favor is really the right word to even think of like one or the other because there's absolutely, qualities that are important about both of those family situations and as much as I feel I have things to share and feel I have things to talk about I more than anything know that it's time to sit and listen and so I mean that's kind of the big thing I got from my mom's side of the family of you don't have to be the one that talks all the time you don't have to be the one that shares all the time it is okay I mean obviously that was you know talking about a football game but it's okay to sit and listen while other people want to talk to you. Um, I, I kind of joke with people that like, I've had the sign on my uh, like chest or on my face like my entire life, like, please share with me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and not that I like necessarily wanted that in any sort of way, um, you know, to be shared with sometimes, but, you know, it's that side of my family has taught me the value of, of being quiet and listening. And, and my dad's side of the family really has taught me the, the value of just like enjoying each other's company and, and enjoying it in a way that like outwardly everyone sees it. 
Like you, I mean, you literally walk in the door and you go and you hug every single person. Like, and, and you feel like I've got to go hug everybody. When you, when you leave, you go and hug every single person, you know, um, the other saying we have with my dad's side of the family too is there are no in-laws everyone is part of the family like everyone is everyone's a cadena a cadena right everyone is there are no outlaws there's no there's no in-laws whatever like you're here you got married blood or not like you're part of the family that's really wonderful this is so cool to learn this about you because i would say you know this is surprising to me about your dad's side of the family because um, you have always um, struck me as a great listener and someone who is a little bit more on the quiet side. You're always working very hard in the background. And I know we're going to talk about the fact that you have, you know, um, been the director of many important conferences. I mean, you've done so many things. And so it's so cool to hear that you have this other side um, that you that you have this this very talkative, um, you know, loud side of the family. And I just, I love to hear about that. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How has it affected, um, you know, just what we're talking about with the culture um, and your awareness of that? How has that affected your teaching? You just mean of, of my background, how that's affected my own teaching? Yeah, because, you know, I have to say one of the things that makes me sort of sad is that I, I don't know a whole lot I, I about my, you know, where I come from. I mean, I we trade, you know, we have some uh, members of our family that are really into genealogy and things like that. And so they, they know that. But I feel like you have a very strong sense of where you come from and that you are a mixture of these different um, backgrounds, whereas I'm very much like, you know, from one sort of stream is what I feel like. And so I'm wondering how that, how you think that has affected the way you approach teaching, the way you approach your students in the classroom. Sure. Yeah, I think it goes back to what I was saying a little bit before, too, is finding that, that balance of when it's time to talk and when it's time to listen and to really uh, value each individual in the classroom. And uh, I mean, I know one of the things in undergrad, I just go back to like one of my professors being like, no, it's too many words. No, you do it in less words. It's too many words. And that was just like, you know, really on my mind of being like, am I just rambling? Can I get to this point sooner? And it just kind of being uh, conscious and aware of, of being succinct, being short, getting back to the music. And but also finding time and space to to build those connections. So whether that's like whether it's in writing, whether it's in person, you know, asking people about their interests, what is what is important to them, knowing of there are things that are important to me, not just not just family. And I mean, I grew up playing golf and tennis and have played. I mean, I played golf for almost 30 years. I started when I was eight years old and took tennis lessons shortly after that. And, you know, it kind of has hasn't happened as much now since music has become such a big part of my life but like golf is one of those things that that I do a lot you know with family and friends and like learning how to play euchre and cribbage mm -hmm. and so just like board games and you know these things where you're like taking time to to spend uh spending time with each other even if it's not even music you know knowing that like Yes, we have to learn those songs. Yes, we have to get to the concert. That's, you know, however many weeks away. But for those students to know that it, it's okay to take time too, to, to be real with, each, 
be real with each other and to value that their experience um, needs to be shared and that they have that room and space to share it in the classroom. Speaking of interests, I, I do want to take just a, a few moments to talk about the summer conference because uh, we, you sure. know, j that just happened recently and we were both there. And um, I, when I left, my husband and I were talking about how um, we wonder if people are afraid to present or, you know, what holds people back? Because I know that um, MSVMA is always looking for more people to um, not only attend the conferences, which it, it, it's a wonderful conference. It's great for um, just socialization, but I learned so many things. And so um, I'm wondering sort of what you, you know, have to offer about the conference or inviting people to present, um, maybe um, alleviating their fears if they're like, well, why do I deserve to get to share something? You know, that imposter syndrome sort of thing going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the biggest thing that I would say is just do it. I mean, that, that Nike, <laughs> you know, slogan, but like put, put yourself out there. And when you start thinking about, I know I do X really well. And it doesn't necessarily have to be music, right? If you're like, if that's what's holding you up, like, oh, I don't think I should do like rehearsal techniques or or that type of thing. I feel like that's not my thing. That's that's totally fine. Maybe it's something very specific. Uh, I mean, I did a session a few years ago that was really just IPA more than anything because I've done so much with the, interna the International Phonetic Alphabet, really an undergrad more than anything, but like I knew it like front frontwards, backwards, all that. But I will say too, when I was doing that session, I was like freaking out the entire time. <laughs> you know, I mean, this was like 2018, I wanna say, 2017, 2018. And, and I, like I got to the end and I knew I had like 10 to 15 minutes left and I didn't have any more content. And I was like, uh, questions, who has questions for me? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I guess just like knowing that the people that are there are super supportive and super thankful that people are upfront willing to share their story. And like last year I did a, a session too, which really was like, these are the songs that I've been doing since we've come out of COVID or since that I've done pre COVID, um, with, with the theme of, of of rising above what um, what we're dealing with. And so it wasn't necessarily like, these are the best songs that everyone should do, but these were the songs that were impactful in my life and my students' lives and that they enjoyed. And I wanted to share them with you. These were my, my top 10 favorite songs. So, so not that it's like, oh, you should do each one of these at festival. That was not the point and the purpose. It was, let me tell you about my story and my situation. And, you know, even it, it doesn't matter how old you are, too. That's the other thing that people like kind of get caught, you know, caught up on this. Like, I've only been teaching like two or three years. And because I, I mean, or whatever, you know, the number is because I've talked to people and I'm like, you are an amazing person at recruiting. Like, how did you get all these people in your choir? They're like, well, I just did what everyone else does. Well, you should tell your story. <laughs> like, I mean, it's that. I, so I, part of it is like individuals being willing to put themselves out there and those of us on the the inside track the leadership track being like okay who do we know that's really good at these four or five things and because they're kind of known for it and how can we go about reaching out to them to ask if they're willing to put themselves out there more than anything 
I was telling somebody at the conference that presenting is a really great opportunity to learn more about something that you're interested in. So, you know, I mean, because you're not just going to say, well, I guess I'll present, and then you just show up the day of, right? I mean, I, I would certainly Correct. hope not. I could not do that. Maybe there are people that can, but so, you know, picking one thing, and that's that's it. You can focus on one, you know, uh, one specific thing, and, ex- and that you can take up a whole hour on that one thing if you really, really dig into it. And that can feel very overwhelming to people, but, you know, knowing that we're all learners and pick something that you're really interested in. Um, one thing and just do research on it and present it. And uh, something I know that I personally have to get um, over is that with me, I feel like it's either magic or it's mediocre. Yeah. It's And, and so <laughs> that will stop me, you know, because if it can't be magic, well, it's not going to be any good. And I think as um, educators, especially in music, Um, We feel a lot of maybe competition and having to, you know, with our programs, with our numbers, with our quality of performances. And there's just so there's such a wide range of things that I think even feel magic to students that are so important to them that we don't even realize. And so all that to say is you don't have to go in with that very, you know, like it's either way up here or it's going to be way down here. Like it's okay to just do the thing. Just pick pick a subject, do the research, do the presentation, and you'll be glad that you did. And everyone is so supportive in those sessions. Absolutely. Can, can I just comment and take us in a different route on something that you said, though? Absolutely. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're Because you were talking about magic or mediocre, and it just made me think of how I got started as an adjudicator because it was, I'm trying to think as far as years ago, how many years it was, but because I didn't think anything of like what I did with my kids and like going to festival and, and whatever. And I'm like, I, I teach, I taught in Sturgis at the time, you know, it's like a, a small town. It's, it was a good program and all that, but we were just kind of like doing our own thing as, as best as we can. And, you know, we'd get our one at district, we'd go on to state, you know, that, that type of thing. But it was when Nancy Bray came up to me and was like, hey, Eric, why aren't you an adjudicator yet? And I went, oh, Nancy, I'm not going to do that. I was like, oh, I, I don't know that I could do that. She's like, just come to the training, <laughs> you know, come to the training, you know, observe, experience that out, you know, and to kind of walk through that, you know, side by side. And so going to the training and like observing what happens in October, and then you have to do the side by side placement. And so... Of, of all like full circle things, I go to the side-by-side placement in January and I'm sitting side-by-side with Shirley Lemon, who, uh, so not only do I, everyone, like so many people know Shirley Lemon, but she was the choir director for my cousin in Grand Haven when I was student teaching at West Ottawa with Pam Pearson. So like, so I had that like connection of like, definitely knew her because I went to my cousin's concert, like when he was like a senior you know, in high school. And he was, I mean, honestly, he was a star. Like he was, he was Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye Birdie. Like everyone knew (laughs) my cousin, Nick, like he was that type of like over the top individual. Um, But anyway, that side by side with Shirley and to spend that, that day and time with her. And then, so we were in district eight and who comes on stage, but the Haslett High School men's ensemble, which I sang in, you know, as a kid, as a high school kid, and of course, Eric has now, you know, moved to Traverse City at this point. 
but it was Adam Boyce, who was a high school grad of Hazlitt as well. He was um, like a year older than my brother. And so, you know, they're like explaining that whole thing. And so like I hop up and I do basically my first clinic with the Hazlitt High School men's ensemble, <laughs> side by side, Adam Boyce, right? And like, I was like trying, I only, and so I had all these notes written down for the first piece. And then I looked down and I wrote zero for the second piece. I had no idea what to like go and say and do into the second piece. I was like, oh, how about, can we look at, I just like made it up. Like, let's look at that that section, that unison section where you're all singing together. I feel like there's something we can add to that. And it, we literally was just like, I don't know what to do at this moment. They better sing something else so I can come up with something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And And like being okay and accepting of like, there's times you don't really know what's going on and but giving them opportunity to to sing again and I was like, "Oh, I remember what it was. Everything sounded very monotonous. This is a sea shanty. We want more like ba 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 and we did some more of this like back and forth with hands and I I didn't say like, you know, beer beer <laughs> like <laughs> swinging beer, you know, mugs, but that's what I was thinking in my, in my head, but we were doing that that motion and all that and you know, so it, kind of what you were saying too that there are things we do in the moment in in the classroom that just like they spark and and they work and you're like oh I better write that down that was a really good one right and so but I think that was the biggest thing with an adjudicator is being more free and open to just try something out with kids and to um you know <laughs> make it happen so and Adam and I talked to you know a little bit after you know I saw him in the hallway and I was like that was the first time I've ever done that. <laughs> he was like, ah, I, I got your adjudicator cherry. Ah. I was like, yes, that is true. <laughs> you know? That's so, awesome. That's right? awesome. So anyway. Oh, no, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you took the time to say that because uh, it's just a great story, a great example of you don't have to know everything. Nobody knows everything about anything. And the only way we get better is to take those risks and to know that we're in the company of people who support us. That's what I love about MSVMA is I feel like um, the people who are a part of that organization, they, they want to do good work and they're there for each other. And, uh, and it, that's a very special thing. I don't think that that always happens in organizations like that. So I'm, I'm really, really glad you shared that. Thank you so much. Um, and you absolutely, so I, I do want to, I I know we could just like, I, it's so easy to talk to you, Eric, that we could just probably talk for hours and hours because I, I know I want to talk about how, you know, you have done all of these um, leadership things, but I will say that it probably will come into the conversation as we are going through these habits, I would imagine. Sure. So um, I do want to talk about this. Uh, it's Stephen Covey. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, Stephen Covey. Yep. Covey. Sorry. Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, so I am so excited to sort of dig into this. And um, you actually did a training on this when you were in Sturgis. Is that correct? Yeah, you got it. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, so I'll back it up just a little bit uh, for people that aren't entirely familiar with the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But basically, it's been a business thing forever since since the 80s like business people know about it it's really about like you know understanding people better influencing people understanding yourself better you know all those things really kind of digging into who you are as a person and how you can work together with other people so very much a a business world thing 
and uh, where where it happened to get involved more with the school is there happened to be an elementary principal that was at one of these leadership trainings and asked you know Stephen Covey when he was still around he has since passed away what if we taught these habits to like kindergartners what if we started with people that are five years old rather than people that are in their 30s 40s 50s etc you know going in the business world and he was like well if you ever do that let me know I'd be thrilled to hear about it and so so leader in me is the the program that you know got started with elementary kids and when I was in Sturgis so I was teaching sixth seventh and eighth grade and we realized that the kindergarten through fifth graders were doing all the leader and me stuff they were doing the seven habits with like these great little cartoon characters and posters on the wall and like showing all these different ways and so they were learning that and then they were coming to the middle school and we were throwing all sorts of different things at them that were the middle school like this is what we do at the middle school so just before i left it was like maybe 15 16 something like that before i moved to the lansing area we were going to do this middle school lead program which it was called at the time but i think they've changed it so it's now all leader and me so it was like the last year or two that was there um so to get to your question about the training we had a two-day training first just just for us it had nothing to do with the students and so like i said Stephen covey has has passed away his son sean is the one that runs the company and the person that came to do that training was the direct report to sean like so i mean they don't they don't mess around when uh, you know they come and bring this training to you and if we were on video, I'd, I'd show you the little uh, box. I mean, I can show you the box, but it's this like extremely fancy box that you open up and you just start delving into like who you are as a person and the things that are important to you and uh, like writing out your, writing your own personal mission statement. And, uh, you know, like, and, and that those types of things, you're just like, I, I don't really know at this point and, and, and whatever, but you know, at the end of that, that training, what I ended up writing out for myself as a personal mission statement is enriching lives with enjoyable experiences. And thinking that for, for myself as a music educator, um, like music really is enrichment, meaning that they don't necessarily have to do it, but it is also enriching and, uh, you know, enriching lives. Obviously it's people that I'm working with. Um, with enjoyable experiences and people have asked me before like well that shouldn't that be like enjoyable music experiences not necessarily you know we we can have we can have a good time and enjoying our company with each other like we can go play kickball on the field that's still enriching lives with enjoyable experiences that's in choir class sure we can go we can do a kickball competition against the band kids that's <laughs> that's still part of like what we do because like we've I don't know we've done that before but to, to let it be specific that it's meaningful for me, but broad enough that it can be used in a variety of different situations. And uh, so, I mean, obviously we went like into those seven habits, you know, in depth and, and well, I know we'll talk about each one of them, but, but more than anything, it was first like, who are you? Who, what is meaningful to you? What are your they say, what are your big rocks? Like, what, what are you going to put in your bucket that is going to be more important than anything else? And so, like, like for me, it's faith and family above all else. Even above work, which I love to work. I, I really do. 
you know, but, but my, my faith and my family have to come first in order to make that work as effective as possible. Thank you. That's great. Like we, I feel like I'm sitting in the training, like I'm getting the training from you. So I'm like, and I'm sitting, okay. and I'm sitting here thinking about like, okay, what would my rocks be? What would my personal mission be? And that's just an awesome thing to step back and think about because whatever our purpose or mission is, then everything else, um, you know, everything else is affected by that or influenced by that. And, and I think we're moving so fast all the time in our life that sometimes we lose sight of that. And so just to take a moment to sit down and create that or remember what it is, is like, okay, this is what I need to do with my life or this is what I need to do today, you know? And so that's just awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. So we're going to get into habit one, which is be proactive. So tell us what habit one is about. Yeah. So they have, they have their words that are trademarked. And I know I sent you, you know, before we got on here, just like their, uh, a summary that's not exactly trademarked, but like be proactive is the trademark. And the opposite of that is be reactive. Right, so it's it's one or the other that you can do, and their their list here. I'll I'll just read it because it's next to me. It says focus and act on what you can control and influence instead of what you can't. And uh, you know, I for me, what I what I think of on that is like there are going to be emergencies. There are going to be things that you have to deal with, you know, in in your life. But you know, when you're being proactive, you're doing everything that you can to present, pre- not present, prevent, you know, any of those those crises, those emergencies from, from taking place. And, you know, you, you can live your, okay. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I know people that like they go from zero to 10 every five minutes or less. Like everything is a crisis. Everything is an emergency, everything like shouting loud. Everything is just like out there. And like, there's, there's no calm. There's no, there's no center. There's no calm anything everything is a crisis and and to me i'm like how do you operate that way you know and and i think too of like like our students our middle school high school kids that have all sorts of stuff they're dealing with hormones social media i mean you name it they're dealing with all sorts of stuff friend groups they're like i get that and so but for us to be like you know what can i do like in my classroom what can i do to set those kids up for success so that they know when they come into the room, may, maybe they need to, need to take some time. Like maybe they had just had a really awful experience and they just found out they failed a quiz. Maybe they, you know, something happened at lunch where their, their boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever broke up with them. Maybe they're like friends, friends, friends did. And that's causing that. So like, you know, there's time and place to like, what do you need right now? <laughs> like knowing that like we need to sing and all that, but like, there are going to be times that you as the adult can't be the one that's always reacting to all of that chaos and it's going like, do you need me to call the counselor? Do you need me to like, do you need space? Do you need, and so, so again, it's not like always planning ahead. That's kind of a different one, but like controlling and influencing what's in your circle right there. Like those are the kids that are coming into my classroom. How can I influence them and improve their lives and keep that moving forward. This is so interesting because uh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, Being proactive, like I I guess, because what I've heard is, you know, be, respond, don't react. 
respond, don't react. Mm -hmm. And this sounds like what you're talking about, but when I hear be proactive, that to me sounds like take action, do something. And this is actually saying like, well, yes, take action, but in a in a very intentional, thoughtful, you know, calm way. If that's what I'm hearing, it just it isn't what I expected it to be. Sure. I mean, because like I, I think in education, we we can easily spend a lot of time of like this is what's happening down the hall. This is what happening in another um, school system. This is what's happening in my community. Like there are things outside of your sphere of influence that you, you can't actually do anything about. Even if you tried, you can't actually do anything like you as an individual. You know, there are there are people, there are um, situations that, that you have in your sphere of influence and that's what you can control. It, it was huge in, in COVID when we were shut down and, you know, trying to trying to articulate this well with kids and families. And I mean, all of us were going through all of that. Like, you know, there's all this stuff out there in the world that is definitely impacting us. I'm not saying it's not impacting you, but like you can't actually do anything about it. <laughs> like, you know, you're not a research scientist <laughs> in like, you know, doing all the stuff with like creating a vaccine. Like those people absolutely had influence on, you know, creating a vaccine, getting this pandemic to, you know, dwindle. Absolutely. They had that influence. Like, what can I do? I can keep kids singing. I can show them kindness and compassion and empathy in, in their situations. Like, that's what I can do. And that's what I can control and influence. Well, in the world of social media, I've thought this many times is that it almost makes us feel like we have the power to influence way more than we actually do or that we're responsible for way more than we actually are because we have access to all these to see what all these people are doing and what's happening across the world and um so i think it's really hard to especially for younger people who are growing up with this um you know sort of culture to say but what do i really have influence over what is really important because everything seems important in you know in the world of social media sure sure Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot. So okay. I mean, and even as an as an adult, I think it's it's hard to to manage that. But I just love even that we're thinking about it. Um so moving on to habit two, begin with the end in mind. Yep. So and I'll I'll read that. So again, that's the one that's trademarked and then this is just right from their website. It says define clear measures of success and plan to achieve them. So you know, I think that's where we as choir teachers spend a lot of our world and a lot of our time and energy and think about the concert is this many weeks away, many weeks away. That's the show, the musical that we're doing is like, I'm going to have my 12 week rehearsal plan and know like to the day, every single thing that's going to happen and, and all of that, as opposed to just like, eh, we'll audition whatever, or we'll just like, I don't know, like, the kids just show up at three o'clock. What are we doing today? Ah, what did we do yesterday? Uh, we did scene one. I guess we do scene two. Whatever, you, you know, just like being so wishy-washy, washy with it, or absolutely being clear of today. This is what we're doing from like three to three thirty. It's these people from three thirty to four. It's these people. It's what it's whatever of kind of backtracking from. This is what I want that successful event to look like, and backtracking it whether that's a year ahead of time, whether that's months ahead of time, you know, what have you. 
Um, so, I mean, like, like we already talked about the, the conference that just happened, you know, last month. And I'd, I'd love to be able to tell you right now exactly what the plan is for 2024, but it's not official. <laughs> so like, I can't, you know, but the fact that we've like had those conversations, looked at our options, thought about, you know, headliners, reached out to headliners, you know, all, all those different things. And we're, we're like two weeks after the last event that we just did. Right. So we're already thinking to like, what is 2024 going to look like? Um, you know, MMC, I feel like I'm behind because I, there's not a headliner picked for 2025 yet. You know, we have one for 2024, but like 2025 is going to be right around the corner. You know, so it's like that type of thing where like you got to look way far ahead to like, what do we want this to be? What is it going to look like when it is deemed, quote unquote, successful? And uh, how are we going to take all those steps um, from now until then to make it happen? How deep does this go for you as far as like beginning with the end in mind? Do you structure every day this way? Like how, how does this work in your everyday life? I mean, personally and as a teacher, how much are you structuring with this end in mind? It's a really good question because I kind of, I definitely vacillate back and forth of like, liking to have that structure and liking to have complete flexibility in it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, on a, on any given day, I, I mean, I've, I've done both. I've done like, you know, today we are going to focus on measures eight to 16 and our goals are, uh, breathing, phrasing and vowel shapes. Like we're, you know, and some, so sometimes like, there is that, and then other times it's it's not that, and I think both of those are totally okay, <laughs> you know. And I was you know speaking with someone that's like knowing some amazing choir teachers that every single minute is planned out, and other people are like, mm, I'm gonna do this one for about fifteen minutes, this one for about fifteen, that one for about fifteen, and we'll just kind of play with it and see where it goes, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Right, and and knowing that like. Either way is great. The concert will be fantastic. The learning will be fantastic. And, and either way, way is fine. Um, but I mean, one of the things, this is not, I'm not saying this to like show off for any, by any means, but like our, in my school system right now, we have a lot of turnover with performing arts teachers. And so we have a new theater teacher. She and I share a space together. And we were doing a, a tour a couple of days ago because she just wanted to see the, the school because she hadn't been in yet. We're walking around and she looks at our shared classroom, which had been like clean for the summer, thankfully. But <laughs> it was just like there was nothing in there. Like the piano and the bench were just like in the corner. There were like random tables from the hallway. All the chairs were like stacked in this back little alcove, which I did, you know, so they could clean all the rooms. And she's like. Um, are there normally chairs in the room? <laughs> you know, like asking some of those like questions, you know, and for her, like she had already, as I talked to her, she had already planned out every single day in her theater curriculum for the semester. Wow. I was like, you go girl. I'm like, <laughs> like, she's like, she's like, I think I might have like overdone it though. Cause I haven't seen like what the kids are actually able to do. Cause it's her, it's like, it's her first teaching job, but she's done other things in theater, but it's the first time she's been, you know, in a school system. So, so for her, I'm just like, okay, this is someone that like wants to know like down the road options. So I went in, you know, we're, we're talking Monday and, you know, I went two days ago on a Saturday morning and cause I was up and awake. I'm like, I could have like just take a walk around because it was a nice day. 
Or I could go into school and get that that stupid classroom set up because I know the sixth graders are coming in today. They have like a back to school sixth grade thing where they like tour the building and learn all sorts of different things. And I'm like, is back to the beginning with the end of the mind. Like, I don't want them to look into the choir drama room and be like, well, what the heck is that room? I'm like, no, it's going to be set up like, like it normally is, but it's very flexible. And so I came up with uh, six different layouts that I've kind of used over the, I mean, this will be my seventh year in East Lansing and kind of thought about that that room in, in a variety of different ways and so i was just like moving chairs around they would move like 32 chairs or so on the piano and so i just like move them all around and then go to the hallway and like snap a picture and then move them all around again go to the hallway snap a picture and and came out and as i was doing it, i was like oh yeah i also put them this way well i haven't really put them that way but that would be good and like <laughs> so came, gave her like you know six different ideas and just like texted her all of these pictures and she was like oh this is awesome thank you because like she wanted to think ahead but she didn't know like what it was like supposed to be first of all or even like how to navigate that space it, as well so so your end in mind there was just to sort of help her it was just to say i'm gonna go set up this room and then i'm gonna show her these different ideas so that she feels more prepared and so it doesn't even have to be a big thing right like you just literally wake Correct. up and say I'm going to go in for this goal. Like I'm going to go to the school because I, I know that I need to get this done. And so again, it doesn't have to back right. to that magic or media mediocre thing. Right. It's just, yeah. you just go pick a thing, do a thing. Right. Um, so habit three, put first things first. Yep. I mean, I, I touched on that a little bit and, and what it says is prioritize and achieve your most important goals instead of constantly reacting to urgencies. So I, I kind of blended that in with uh, habit one, which I probably shouldn't have done, but that's okay. But, you know, like, and we talked a little bit about the big rocks and all that and, you know, faith and family first, uh, above all else, even above of work. And um, since I moved back from to East Lansing, you know, from Sturgis, I, I grew up in Hazlitt. So this is like back, back in my roots. My parents are still here. My sister's in Okemos. And when I moved back, I really moved for family and it was that I kind of had that that pull that tug of I'd been in Sturgis for 10 years my my grandpa passed away in November and then my sister who had been trying to have another kid and not succeeding found out she was pregnant was going to was due in May and I I kind of felt that like okay my grandpa's passed away my sister's going to have a new I'm going to have a new nephew and there was just like this tug and pull of like, okay, you've done your 10 years. It's, it's time to go back close to where family is. And had that at like the forefront of this is why I'm coming back to, you know, the East Lansing area. And, and that to say that like, we, we have what, what my niece and nephew would call Uncle Eric Thursdays. <laughs> and even though they're at my parents, let's be clear, they're not at my house because my, my parents are the one watching them um, back when they were, a lot littler and not in school um, but because my brother-in-law's parents are in East Lansing and my parents are in Hazlitt so my sister was working part-time and it gave her you know either she would go into work or she had time at home when the uh, either her either our parents or the in-laws were watching the kids um, but just happened it was always on Thursdays and so knowing that like sometimes Uncle Eric Thursday won't happen because like I'm in rehearsal or there's auditions or like there's a concert or whatever but like they know it's Thursday which sometimes might be Wednesday if like for whatever. So like the day might change, but they know like, like I will be there that I will show up and that consistency 
of, you know, I, that, that's, that's huge for me and a driving factor of like, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday. Ooh, tomorrow I get to see my niece and nephew. Okay. I can make it one more day, you know? And I mean, the same thing with like, sorry, I didn't start with Sunday, like going to church on Sunday. <laughs> sorry. Faith and family were my right, two right, things. Right, but right. Like, yeah. But sorry, back up. But like, you know, I was going with my sister and brother-in-law you know, to their church. And uh, so that's who I was going with. And, and I was living with them too. And, uh, you know, at the time, and I will say personally, like I was, I was on my own for 10 years. I had my own space. Like it was, it was a lot. It was chaotic. I, I had a brand new job. I first got on the summer conference committee and I got on the MMC planning committee and I was living in a house with a four-year-old and a two-month-old when I got there. And so like, it was, it was chaos in many ways. In many ways it was good too, but like to get that text at like three or third. 3.30 from my sister, like, hey, when are you going to be home today? And like, realizing that I never had to check in with anybody or I haven't, sorry, I had not never, but I haven't had to check in with anyone for like 10 years. Uh-huh. And then someone that was like, hey, the kids are looking to see you. When are you, are you going to be home soon? Knowing that my brother-in-law is going to work till like six easily. He's not going to be home until at least six. And because like that was his thing. Um, but knowing that that was important and it was, it was a really tough, like, push and pull on that first year of like where to spend my time of, of all the things that were happening. So. Mm-hmm. I, I love hearing about your life. It's just really great to get to know about you. And I love how involved you are with your family. I love hearing you talking about your, you know, uncle Eric Thursdays and stuff. And I, um, it just says a lot about who you are as a person and how that would translate to being in the classroom, you know, which is the next question I want to ask about this is, what advice would you give about what should come first in a classroom environment? Because teachers are so overwhelmed and they just keep having things piled on them. How do they dig themselves out of that and, and say, okay, but this needs to come first? You know, what would you say that your first is in the classroom or what advice would you give about that? Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to what I was talking about with mission statement. And, uh, you know, I was talking about my personal mission statement and it had me to be looking at um, like our school's statement as well. And so it's interesting to me that that our school, at least at East Lansing, education is two because because first is nurturing every child. Right. It has nothing to do with like academics or anything. And the second one is about educating all students that are there. And then three is building world citizens. And so when you like as an entity think of like this, this is our mission. Yes, we want to educate, but that's not our first goal. You know, we want to make sure that we take care of the kids that come in um, to our to our school. And like for me, I don't I don't feed them and give them you know, their, their breakfast and lunch, but that's a thing that, that is there. I mean, thinking of like the, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, like you need food and drink and shelter to function, right? And all the other things that these kids are going through, you don't really know necessary, but necessarily what they've been going through. So I guess all that to say, like taking a step back from yourself and knowing that those kids are going to be walking in with baggage. You're going to be walking in with baggage. 
we're not perfect. We're just like doing the best with what we've got. And to know that absolutely, yes, we're going to sing because it's music, but knowing that there's going to be times that like you, the kids walk in and you, I can't start the music right now. Like there, there are other things that we do, we need to unpack and whether, whether that's a dialogue, whether that's what have you, um, <laughs> I will say like in like undergrad, Dr. Joe Miller was my teacher at Western and he would look at a bunch of tired college kids as a like family of football coaches. And he'd be like, everybody getting up right now. We're running laps around the choir room. And we did, <laughs> you know, because he's looking at a bunch of, it's like Friday. He knows everyone went out the night before we had rehearsal at 11 on a Friday, like that type of thing. Like, so, and like, in all honesty, that works for him. Like, you know, and I guess that, that to say like, knowing what works for you like is that going to make it better or worse in your situation is it going to make it better for you to get all those kids up and moving running laps around the circle maybe it's not running laps but maybe it is just simply getting up and moving getting up literally just like standing and stretching having that be part of your daily routine Uh, one of the things that i didn't actually come up with but they called it ragdoll that they used to do with uh, Miss Pastelnik, but Pastelnik was there before me. But so you would like reach all the way up to the sky with, with your arms and stretch and then have to count all the way to 10 to bring it all the way back down to your hips. And it would just like decompress and release all sorts of pressure and, and tension. You're actually supposed to, that's the second step. You're supposed to like bend all the way down to your toes first and then go all the way up over and let that take a whole bunch of time. Um, so really like leaving the other stuff outside the classroom as best as you can, you know, as best as you can leave that, that baggage outside, do so, but also understand that if there's stuff you need to deal with because you can't leave it outside, that I'm willing to make that phone call to give you space to, you know, talk to you to like, I mean, literally just ask that question, what can I do for you right now? It's obvious, like, y- y- you look off, <laughs> you know, like, some, some, you look not like yourself, right? <laughs> but like, but like you, you look not like yourself, you know, and that type of thing. Or, or maybe you notice it afterwards, you know, I, whatever systems people have set up for, for communication and, you know, with their groups, but like my audition group, we have, we have group me is what we use. So like we can all chat um, together, but we can also dialogue, you know, direct message as well. And to like send a message to a kid, like, Hey, I thought I saw that you weren't really with it. And I mean, however you want to like word it in your own words, but it seemed like you were a little bit off today. Is there anything I can do to, to support you in that? Like a couple of sentences, whatever. And, uh, you know, I just remember him writing back and going, you know, I had said something at another time and it just it caught up with me and it like it threw me off for that whole rehearsal. I can't tell you what a difference it means for you to reach out and say something to me, it, you know, and and I guess as I, I, as I think about like, you know, situations like that, like I don't I don't think too much of it other than like, that's just what you do. Right. Isn't that what what you do? Like you see someone that's like having a hard time, you know, be like, well, figure it out. And then like, go on to like what you have to do. Like, you know, some people do. I, I mean, I'm not saying that like some people do, 
but like what is what are you building then what are you building in your in your culture in your classroom are you building one of like militaristic like nobody talks nobody says or does anything like this is music this is what we're doing or it is their space you know for that mental health piece and i will say both work but both <laughs> are necessary like you you can very easily go like to the like other spectrum where everyone just comes in and it's chaotic and there's no structure there's no order no nothing you know and call it what have you and then uh, then it is absolute chaos like so i get that too like there needs to be that that balance but more than anything it's finding what what works for you personally and for your your situation in your classroom habit four think win-win like like collaborating, it says here, collaborate more effectively by building high trust relationships. And I know there's a, a matrix that I'm not looking at, but there's all those variances, right? You can think win-win, you can think win-lose, you can think lose-win, you can think lose-lose of like what those four quadrants kind of would be. But I'll, I'll stick to, you know, kind of these building these high trust relationships. And, you know, we, we say to younger teachers like, Make friends with the custodians and the secretaries, right? I mean, that's one of those things that people have heard, and we don't say secretaries anymore. We say admin assistants, you know. Um, but So we've changed some of our language. But, you know, the the admin assistants, the custodians, those are the people that, that run um, a lot of the day-to-day nitty-gritty stuff. Um, you know, as we were dialoguing this morning, getting ready to get on this podcast, I was like, well, I would have done this at, at my school, but they're deep cleaning my classroom. And so they, uh, I was there last week doing some things because it was band camp. Not that I was involved with band camp, but I knew it was going to be after band camp that they were going to deep clean everything. And so the custodian supervisor was like looking at my classroom going, we would love to clean your room, but we have no idea how to take down those platform risers. Is that something you can help with? <laughs> I was like, I've had platform risers in classrooms for like 17 years. I'm like, yup, I, I, I got you. <laughs> like, so, I, so that like being willing, one, to give him my time, but two, to like have that dialogue of like, this is something he, it was important for him um, to, because he's the supervisor like for our entire school district. So they've been cleaning, you know, all the different elementary schools as well as the middle school and high school. And this was like one of his last hallways to check off his list. And he, like, they wanted to pull everything out, strip the wax completely, put all the new shine on it. They're going to, like, steam clean my office that has carpet and, like, they're going to pull everything out and, you know, all these different things. So, like, for him to be like, hey, you're here. Can can we look at your room real fast? I was like, sure. What's (laughs) up? And, you know, being like, hey, can you help me? Yeah, I can help you with that. Absolutely. And and so I didn't do, like, I really didn't do the heavy lifting. Uh, It was more like... This is how you do the little spinners on the back and then that pops out and then there's like clamps underneath to be able to unhook all the different sections and and that that's that was their struggle i mean they had the they had the human labor power to get it all in and out of the room that wasn't the issue they just didn't know how to take it apart you know so the amount of time that i've spent or that i do spend i should say not not doing like curriculum work not doing a score study not doing these things that are very valuable like i got to play my piano part because i don't, I don't know i got to work on my like satb like i got to do that like yes you got to do those things but take the time to learn what people value and what's important to them and uh, they'll be willing to help you out in an instant like i i went in last week and i 
I walked up to my uh, main office admin assistant and I showed her my badge and I was like, I've had this badge for like four or five years. It's got this like crack on it and it like bends and it's our swipe card to get into the building. And I'm like, it works, but I feel like this should probably be replaced. And she was like, oh, do you want a new photo or does that matter, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'd rather just get one. And so like I had that conversation and like stepped in, I was gonna talk to, about, to my principal about something else too. And so like I'm in the office with my principal and it's literally five minutes later that she goes, here's your badge. Cause she just like called the tech department and was like, Hey, Cadena needs a, a new badge. His is like falling apart. And like, I saw the email and I was like, Oh, by the way, I work at these two buildings, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's name's Jason. Jason's like, oh, I'll get you in five minutes. Like, like, like that type of thing. And the, I guess what I'm saying too, is it takes time to know, like, who do I go to for what? Um, so I'm very fortunate that our school delineates, like go to the, uh, like, Nikki, Mary are in their main office at the high school. Like Kathy and Karen are in our main office at the middle school. It's like you go to this person for like this bullet list. You go to this person for this bullet list. You go this person to this bullet list. And I'm not saying that they they won't help you if they're not on the list. But like if you ask someone like if you ask Karen to get keys, she goes, you really need to have Kathy do it because she has the key to the key box, right? Like I don't like that's that sort of thing. Like she love to help you, but like Kathy's the one that needs to do it because she has that, because she, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so like I was telling you about our, our new theater teacher, she was, she was in the building um, today looking at stuff and she's like blasting her music as I'm walking by and I'm just like, oh, it's saying hi. And she's like, do you know where I could get a ladder? I'm like, well, let's see. Let's let's look at these different places. And I was like, we look here, we looked here, we looked here, but she wanted like a 15 foot ladder and I was like, well, we can't roll the ones in from the auditorium. We And this six-foot ladder in the scene shop isn't big enough. I'm like, let's just go up in the office and ask. And and I was like, and she had talked with Nikki last week, and Mary was in this week. And she's like, oh, I, th I think I know who that is. I haven't really met her yet. I was like, oh, well, let's, let's go introduce you. And so sure enough, we had that like quick little conversation. And then I'm like, what what can we do about this, Mary? Is there anything, anyone? And she's just like, Okay, let me let me just call the maintenance people. And she literally just like picks up her phone and was like, "Hey, I got the new theater person. Blah blah blah. She's trying to do the da da da." And and the maintenance supervisor's like, "Yeah, we'll bring over a ladder. No problem." The people you work with sound <laughs> awesome. Like it sounds like right. <laughs> in in many ways, uh, trust me, we've got our fair share of like grouches and bitching people about every. I mean, we have our fair share of that too, but. I mean, I guess that's another thing too. You want to spend your time with people that are going to build you up, not tear you down. So this reminds me very much of a book that I read recently at my workplace. Several of us um, directors of programs read something called The Art of Possibility. Have you ever heard of this book? I have not read it. Nope. Um, this, there was a chapter called Being the Board. And it was very much about instead of thinking of yourself as an individual chess piece on a board, like here's me and what can I do to win? Like it's very much you against, you know, other people and what can you do to um, for your benefit? Um, you look at yourself as being the board that holds all of the pieces and um, and how everyone is connected and what your responsibility is and where your power lies to help other people or to make something better and so this um think win-win very much reminds me of that because you know you can think you know all right how 
how is everyone connected and how can we all win together or at least you know what power do I have to help um, in this situation or you can think how do I win you know I am the this individual chess piece and how do I take everybody else out or only you know look to my own interests and so um, that's what it reminded me of so habit five seek oh I love this one And it's hard to seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yep. It's (laughs) it's not easy, right? And their little um, explainer sentence on the website says, influence others by developing a deep understanding of their needs and perspectives. So, yeah, it's hard to, especially in like the choir director, band director world, that is like podium professionalism like the conductor is in charge the conductor is does that i mean this and that and the other thing i step on that podium everyone goes silent right there is that like me 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 in our world to be able to step back sometimes and go okay so like how how can i help you like you know what what is what is going on with you what is that what are your needs and perspectives right and it's, it's the other thing it said it's like and really understanding that goes back to like like day one with with students. Uh, I mean, I've done just like a simple about you page, and it has nothing necessarily to do with music, um, but it's like t- we talked about this before we get recorded. But like, tell me your name. Tell me how you say your name. Not like what is your name. How do you say your name? Um, what. And finally, I'll, I'll say this on this podcast, but we use we use PowerSchool. So we have Pearson's uh, company as PowerSchool for all our data and whatever. And finally, it's 2023, and it finally has preferred name in our system rather than always having to just be like, this is the roster name. This is what I have to go with to be able to – I'm sure it'll take a while to get updated. But, but knowing that there are kids that they don't use that roster name for any number of reasons – but there are kids that do not use that roster name because that name is dead to them. And I've had students like log in on computers that that name has not been changed and they're literally covering the screen so they do not see that name because they don't use that name. And uh, how important that is for the LGBTQIA plus community for them to be like, this is the name that I use. I don't use this other name. And, and then, you know, asking that question of, what well, does your family know? Like, how is how comfortable are you and all of that? Um, like, even just getting to, like, concert programs. And then what can I put on the concert program? Is that okay with you? Um, so, sorry, I should have kept going down my list. But, but like, you know, but name, names and just, it's really just, like, other interests and other things to share. You know, like, what, like, I said some things already. Like, I, I really enjoy playing golf because I played golf for 30 years and you know yes I know how to play tennis I started playing pickleball during COVID because it was a thing to do outside and that was like the craze has been for the last you know few years and that's been then been fun to do and just spending time with family and friends and playing board games and cribbage and euchre and you know all these different things that you know were were formative to my experience and to kind of lay all those things out and certainly ask the the music question like are you, do you love classical music? You know, don't shy away from like, there are kids that absolutely love classical music. They love symphonies. They love, you know, they love operas. They love all of these classical things that you may love as the classical music teacher. 
you know, I, I always tell kids that I'm like, when I go in the car and I'm riding, I'm not listening to choral music. I'll tell you that right now. I've put on some musical theater. Uh-huh. M- musical theater is, is my thing of like, there's a long, a longer ride. You know, I know I have like an hour, hour and a half or whatever, or, or even two, three, four or five, whatever hours. I'm like, yeah, that's a few musical soundtracks. I'm like, all right, let's just get those, let's get those lined up. What's you your, know, so I, I got to ask, what's your favorite musical or what are your favorites that you listen to? So how do I answer this question? There's there's a few musicals in my life that were extremely formative to my experience that I go back to. Um, one of the first shows that I ever saw on Broadway was the musical Aida, uh, based on the opera, right? And it was you know Elton John's you know music and all that. And I remember uh, we also saw Oklahoma on that trip to New York as well. Um, but I remember sitting in in the audience as a high school kid and like seeing shows at home or whatever and like seeing it on an actual New York Broadway stage, not, not like a touring stage, right? Not like Wharton center or Miller or where, you know, these other places that we go to in Michigan, but no, like an actual Broadway stage built for all of this and the, the lights, the sound, the singing, the acting, the dancing, the, all the different things. Like, I mean, I was absolutely blown away and then to get to like the finale of that that musical that show starts out with with nothing it's just it's like one one light it's aida singing downstage it's a cappella take me in my dreams recurring and, and so it's like down to that like small little piece that like continues to grow and grow and it's more people build and build and build and uh, by the time we got like to intermission, I was absolutely in tears because it was so, so moving and so overwhelming. And, uh, it, you know, to see that, because um, it's always telling a story, right? Every musical is telling a story. And to tell that story of the Nubians being enslaved and saying, the gods still love Nubia amidst everything else that we're going through. The gods still love us. They're going to take care of us. We're going to work through this. You know, that sort of thing. So I definitely say Aida is one. I definitely say <laughs> to, to get back to the point. But, you know, I we, we buy season tickets to Wharton Center. So it's kind of whatever is the new thing. Um, so... Oh yeah, you, you gotta name cut. you gotta name at least one more. So that was your like formative like oh I remember being younger and this happened. So like what one is what's one you just like love to listen to because it's just got energy or, or what have you. The uh, another couple of ones that I really enjoy is something rotten. So I saw that and but more because of like it's just so funny. Because and it's funny, but there's also like these little snippets of other shows that keep you like, ooh, what one was that? What one was that? So it like keeps you thinking throughout it. Um, so I really love um, something rotten. I really love seeing the Book of Mormon. It was hilarious and just hilarious in so many different ways. And so uh, and the Book of Mormon is very formulaic. It is you think about like the way that musicals are structured with an opening and a you know closing song before and then there's always that like second act ballad about from the one of the main characters to like think you know so all those different things like so very like formulaic south park being hilarious about musicals um it's pretty so... genius i mean oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah 
Yeah. So trying to think what else is on. I mean, I absolutely loved Dear Evan Hansen. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely. And it was supposed to come to Wharton. And then the tour got canceled because of COVID. So it got, you know, the, the year um, later. So absolutely loved Dear Evan Hansen. The other one that really got me as an audience member was seeing Waitress. <clears throat> and perhaps too, maybe because it was like the Sunday after MMC. So I had been at MMC for like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then a Sunday matinee um, Waitress tickets having that like mountaintop experience of like of like (laughs) mmc and then like sitting in waitress and heard like you know by the time she got to she used to be mine and singing that ballad i was just like a mess you know in the (laughs) audience destroyed just destroyed (laughs) right you know and and for all of that like like being okay being a mess in the theater is totally okay like that is expected like you were expected to have that emotional experience you know, and I look at other people that aren't. I'm like, are you okay? Like, do you have emotions? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. Like, yeah, like you don't have a like, soul, clearly, if you're not feeling anything right, right now. Okay. Oh, All right. Oh, my gosh. Like, like you heard what she just sang about, right? Like, have you seen her pain and trauma that she's yeah. been working through? Hello? <laughs> you know, right? Hello? Oh, okay. my gosh. Thank <laughs> anyway. you for going down that journey with me. And and actually, so bringing it back to the to the seek to understand than to be understood thing, if mm. you don't mind, can I bring something back from way at the beginning of our conversation? Because for me, it's really surprising how many times as an adult I'm noticing that someone will say something and I'll think I know exactly what they mean or I'll even jump in because I'm and, and I'm so wrong. Like, and I, and I go, oh, and so, um, but then I'm also working not only on trying to be proactive about, you know, like listening and all that stuff, but then when I am wrong or when something doesn't go the way I think it should go, sort of sitting back and being like, I don't have to be right because there's something to learn about this. And I'm going to listen to why this person perceived it the way that they did or why they were thinking. And, and so I, I'm bringing this up because at the, toward the beginning of the interview, I asked you which parent, um, which parent side you favor. And what I meant was genetically or, or your personality, you know? And so, and then when you started talking about, oh, well, you know, I don't favor either. And I thought the way that, that the way we both used the word favor was different. And so my instinct was to try to say, well, actually, I, I meant this, but then in my mind, I thought, no, like what you have to say is so great right now. It's not what I intended. And it's, um, you know, because we all have, we have such different experiences. So like a word, one word can mean something completely different. And so I just, um, I sat back on that and I, I didn't say anything at the time because I thought it wasn't what I meant but what you had to share because of what your experiences and how you perceived it, um, it was really lovely. And so I'm really trying to practice. Like here I am patting myself on the back. Like, look at you. You're growing. We're learning right. and growing. But but they're um just letting yourself not be right. This was this has been really hard for me for a long time because I thought that my worth was in was in being right and or or my value was in being 
you know, in what I did and what I said and all those things. And, and now I'm working really hard to just be like, I just have to be me. And, and then along the way, I'm going to get my butt kicked, you know, because being vulnerable and putting things out there and then learning from other people is really hard, you know? And so I love that one, the seek first to understand then to be understood. It just, it really speaks to me. And, um, I'm really, I'm trying, Eric, I'm trying. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. Yes. I'm really trying. So, okay. Um, this next one, habit six I, I have no idea. Um, synergize. Is that, did I say that right? You got it. Okay, let's let's do this. Synergize. Teach me what synergize is. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll read you what they say first, then we'll, we'll talk about it. So it says, develop innovative solutions that leverage differences and satisfy all key stakeholders. And like that, that sounds way too difficult, right? <laughs> like when you read that, that sort of thing, like... Like I'm supposed to be innovative all the time and leverage differences and satisfy like, and so I guess in my mind, I always take that back to like the business world where this started of, you know, business is always trying to like compete and be innovative and like, we're going to win against, you know, we're going to win the, uh, the the client, we're going to win, you know, whatever it is against other companies and leverage difference differences and, and all that. So part of me like goes to that right away. And I mean, not necessarily is that kind of the point of it. It's like, all like, cause you think of like stakeholders in a school. And so you have like, you have students, you have families, you have the teachers are stakeholders. You have the, the rest of the staff, the administration, you know, just people in the, the community. And, you know, it's a lot when you start thinking about, I'm supposed to satisfy all of those people. And, uh, it, you know, and so I'm, I'm not saying that this like goes well all the time or that you're going to get it right all the time, you know, but like, I guess the point of it is keeping all of that in mind. Right. And knowing that it, so the, the other piece of that says on here too, is leveraging those differences is, is there are times where, um, you really have to be conscious of where, what community you're in, what the community believes and, uh, and w- how that will be, um, perceived when, when you do something. So, so I'll tell you one, uh, story about just the differences of teaching in Sturgis and de- teaching in East Lansing. So I taught in Sturgis there's like probably 40 or 50 churches within a five mile radius, right? And it's a small rural community. I mean, no one would think twice of you doing any sort of religious piece in a public school. Uh, in, in fact, my first concert, I, I didn't really think too much of like balancing like secular and sacred. And I had a dad come up and shake my hand and say, thank you for keeping Jesus in school. This is what these kids need. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, note to self, like keep a balance of my, my yeah, concert yeah, yeah. and all that. Right. But then coming to, to East Lansing that absolutely prides itself on being a university town and knowing that there are people coming from all around the world at all sorts of various times. And uh, essentially what happened before I got there is there was too much religious music. There was too much Christian Christmas music actually in a December concert and uh, so my uh, department chair was like make sure you don't do christmas songs at christmas i was like what are you talking about he's like there is a board of education policy that essentially says like you are not allowed to elevate one religion over another around a, a major holiday 
And of course, you know, going back to like my, my MSVBA experience and all that, I was like, okay, you tell me I have to go read a board policy. So I just went right down to, uh, Gail was her name. Gail, Gail was her name, you know, the admin assistant to the superintendent who like, you know, holds all those different policies. And I was like, hey, I'm a new choir teacher. Like, you know, in my mind thinking like, I have a lot of experience, like reading and understanding policy and what that, that means and all that. And so there was like one of uh, like teaching religion in the classroom and one uh, that was more on the, the lines of these concerts and events and all that. And she's like, oh, I can just print those out for you. So that I was able to like read it line by line. And I mean, the, the summary in my mind is no, no Jesus at Christmas at, and don't call it a Christmas concert, right? And, and so you think of like, as a choral musician, as an educator, how much that limits like December music when you take Jesus and Christmas away from December. And, but knowing that, you know, again, back to that, like the differences, all key stakeholders, you know, cause if I was to do, you know, like if I was gonna do a piece from Messiah and put it in a December concert, that could potentially be a really bad situation for me, right? Because someone will say something and that's kind of how this all got started. Somebody said something, so there was a complaint lodged. It got all the way to the, the Board of Education that you know one religion was being emphasized over another. I don't know necessarily what the situation was because it was before me, but to know that you know we have students of Judaism, we have students of Muslim faith, Jew, you know, Jews, we have, you know, people literally from all around the world, we have people from from Asian countries, we, you know, we have Buddhists, we have, you know, I mean, you name it, we have it being a university, um, public school. And for you to say that, like, this is the only thing or, or that like the perception becomes like, well, this is all that we do, do inquire. And, and not to do it um, in any sort of like token way of like adding it in, it, you know, it's, it's really hard. I'm not saying I do what, this well either, but like trying to like, well, if we just had, what if we just had all of them? What if it was like Christmas and Judaism and Kwanzaa and like, we just have all of them, that, that would be fine, right? But that actually still goes against the policy that says elevating one over another. I mean, even just like putting them all together, it would just, it would just seem silly um, to do that. So, and so that's not necessarily like innovative, but for me, it turned to be innovative because I was like, well, what am I going to do with this whole stack of stuff that I've been doing for the last 10 years? You know, and there's only so many songs about like snow things and like skating and, and, and like trying to like navigate, like, well, Santa's not religious, right? I mean, he's not, he's cultural, even though St. Nicholas is like a, the Christian background and all that, but, but Santa Claus and gifts and reindeer, it's really a culture thing, even though, I mean, not everyone will celebrate, you know, Christmas in like the Santa Claus aspect of it. But you can kind of skirt around that as being less um, offensive than, you know, singing, you know, a piece from Messiah. Like, for unto us a child is born. It's like, ooh, that's not going to go over well. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? who is this child? Who is this child right. and what is his name? Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, as daunting as that habit six can be, it's really just kind of looking at your situation and what that looks like. Mm. Thank you. That's yeah, no, I um 
I had no idea. So I really appreciate your perspective on that. And it really relates directly to our job. I mean, a lot of people are dealing with the exact same thing that you're talking about. And I do like this part about being an educator. I mean, I love being an educator, but um, having the perspective that the students we work with, you know, they learn differently. Um, When I think about religion and I, um, my students have taught me that um, you're going to uh, be spiritually connected in different ways simply by virtue of being different. Like the way you learn is different, you know, whether you're a visual learner, aural learner, um, we're just so different in so many ways. To, so to try to shove us all into one box and say we all have to feel the same way or view spirituality the same way. And so as teachers, we understand that because we understand differentiated learning, whereas someone on the outside maybe doesn't and thinks, well, everyone should look at it the same way. And they feel threatened by that, you know, if we're not doing all Christian music. And um, and I don't know, I, I just, I don't personally feel I am a Christian and I don't feel threatened by that because I know that uh, we all view things differently. And I also know that if you provide a safe space for your kids to feel valued, they're going to become the best versions of themselves. And that's not up to us to decide what that looks like. And so um, I really, really like your, the, the, <laughs> this, that I'm speaking to someone that really cannot do Christmas music, you know, that really has to think innovative, um, innovatively, innovatively about yeah, it. Yeah, you and got so it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So um, anyway, moving on, um, we're to our last habit. And that is, I, I just love the name of this, sharpen the saw. Right. <laughs> Again, trademarked. Someone came up with it. Someone wordsmithed it. I don't know. It wasn't me. But uh, and their, their sentence underneath it says increase motivation, energy and work life balance by making time for renewing activities so i mean i already mentioned my one about uncle eric thursdays and uh, you know i was i was in school working a lot last week kind of feeling that high from the conference and inspiration and all the things and honestly there was some follow-up that needed to happen too that i needed to take care of from like the leadership um side of it too but like knowing that my dad and i had plans to play golf last friday gave me like that that point in time of like I have I have Monday through Thursday to kind of be in and out doing what I want to do with with different things and knowing that like my dad and I are playing golf Friday and I'll shut my phone off do not disturb silent and that'll be our our time together um you know like my phone's on silent do not disturb right now and unfortunately I can still see the number of text messages on the bottom of my computer and so I don't really know. It's probably my family group chat is what I'm guessing. But there's there's been a lot of uh, numbers. It keeps increasing. But like being able to be like, okay, I'm not I'm not doing that right now. I'm I'm online doing a podcast. That's where I'm at. And like, no one's called me that I'm aware of. Well, no, I would know. I'd see that call. Um, but like the the motivation and energy thing too. The other reason why I was in the my uh, my school in my in my classroom is goes back to the teacher of the year speech with sherry peterson and she was talking about a variety of different things but one of the things that really struck me was her her history she's like i used to be here 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 and then i finally decided like this is where i'm at and this is what i'm going to love and dig into and really pour my energy into it and uh, like as i was sitting there and i went yep I, that's that's what I needed to hear to find that motivation of like 
I have, I have a really nice office in my classroom and it was just like full of stuff that I didn't need and it was just sitting in these piles like even like pre-covid stuff like and it was it was just papers that could be shredded it was just like stacks of music that never got filed and more than anything I like moved it off of that desk into cupboards that could be dealt with later like there's a stack of stuff that needs to be filed it doesn't have to be on my desk in my office it can go like in another cabinet where it has all the envelopes that it can get done at some point but it, it can go somewhere else so i have that space um clear and in my office to like sit and work uh guess more than anything because i knew i wanted to get stuff done at school and knew that it was band camp and that the band director had the entire wing reserved for the entire week and they were like splitting up to do sectionals and all that. And then so I, again, like be, being cognizant of that, be like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be in my office, like doing stuff. Absolutely use my classroom, do whatever you want. Like just just FYI, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. kind of setting and but to like set up that that space for myself of like the desk is clear now and and the light it like brought in one of the lights that i have that has different settings so it doesn't have to deal with all the fluorescent lighting in there and uh, um there's a nice um so y yamaha p45 uh, i have a that in there so i have like the nice weighted feel um piano like in my office i mean i have, I have a grand piano in my classroom i mean let's i mean i have very blessed with like all the acoustic instruments that we have but there's there's time where it's like I want to be in here. This is my space to to work on things and like grab things off the shelf. And I don't want to like grab it off the shelf and then walk the thirty feet to go play it on the piano. I'll grab it off the shelf and just sit down and play. Um, but but I will tell you, out, out of all of this, they right they're deep cleaning my classroom. I told you that this morning. Yeah yeah. And uh, so. What, what ended up happening is through conversations and they're like, well, we'd steam clean your office too. I was like, oh, I thought we were just stripping and waxing my floors. I'm like, oh no, we can pull all the stuff out and steam clean your office too if the carpet hasn't been done yet. Well, okay. Uh, I guess if that, that's awesome. That just means I'm going to be taking things back home that I had already like set up in this past week. And, and knowing that like, you know what, this will actually be better in the end. So not getting like, reactive and frustrated like you asked the question first of all eric you asked like hey like <laughs> yeah. like put it on yourself like you're the one that said hey can you and they said yeah sure and you went oh well i guess i need to do something so like before we got on we were trying different different headphones and i was like okay let me let me go get the headphones from my car these are my headphones from my car that are like at school for my piano when i need to block out the world and play stuff on there so that that's the studio quality headphones that but they're at school because that's where i i do the work you know trying to trying to um separate that um from not not bringing work home as best as you can but then knowing that like you're going to go to work to get the work done in whatever way that that works for you whether it's like for me it's sunday afternoons you know in the week of like having that like Saturday, Saturday is kind of a crapshoot as far as what goes on Saturday, but, but again, like prioritizing family and faith, both for sure. It's so like going to the same church as my family, as my sister and brother-in-law and their two kids, but prioritizing faith on Sunday morning, whether that's 9, 15 or 11, whatever service we go to. And maybe that means I'm, I'm packing a lunch so I can go like right from church to school, like have my lunch and then know that I'll I can just kind of take a couple hours there when basically no one's around. 
on my Sunday afternoon in now kind of my new office if I want, but or in or in my classroom to just kind of think through what does this week entail and kind of ha- wrap my head around that. And I will say too, as far as like finding balance, I I'm finding more and more reason to meet and connect with people in person or like you know online or whatever and as more people reach out to me or i you know former students you know what have you like prioritizing these relationships and all that i'm going oh i better write that down like wait when am i doing what and like you know so making an intentional choice to again if we were on video i'd show you but i have like i have a very thick planner now it's and like investing in that because it's it's going to be real nice. So like get a moleskin planner if you want, you know, spend some money. And so I have like a the planner. I have one for notes for like school oh, notes and planner. You have to say what that and, is, the moleskin thing. Will you explain what that is for people? You said the uh, moleskin planner. Isn't that like it goes from digit like you, it goes from you write it down. Oh, no, no, it's it, not that. No, this is literally just paper. Oh, okay. So no, there's, I know there's a different one too. And I mean, I. I, I get it. Like I do the digital stuff too, but for me it was like I want a pen and paper to like sit and write it. Like I mean we have Google calendars and, and all of that in a lot of different ways, but like, you know, I so this is like I mean it's a pretty thick like date book and so it has a calendar but it also has like individual dates as well because I'm starting to like, you know, knowing that we are on this podcast and like I have, I have dinner plans at six o'clock and that tomorrow <laughs> I have, you know, I have someone I'm yep. meeting at one o'clock because um, we're going to catch up because it's a student that, you know, just went to Spain for like a month or whatever with MSU and like gets college credit for just like hanging out in Spain. And I was mm-hmm. like, tell me about that trip. He's like, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be because he's like still around. I'm like, well, let's like do coffee or something like, you know, planning that and like writing it down and making sure that happens and i think i know i got something else tomorrow too i don't know what's in there but like (laughs) so you know but but it's so kind of thinking of like those those high high important things like i'm not gonna miss this because i didn't write it down because it was in a text thread like i'll remember that Mm -hmm. uh you may not oh no so right and but then just like having another just like smaller book it's just lined um with paper of kind of these like sitting in in meetings, I know meetings are boring, but if you had like a few takeaways of like, okay, what did I actually need to remember from this meeting? It goes in this book for like the school stuff. And then uh, I got myself a, a nice um, hardcover one is, this is my new like MSVMA book. So to kind of track like all of the, cause I mean, I committed for six years, right? So president elect for two, president for Ooh. two, and then past president for two. And, but I'm like, obviously I'll take notes here and there on different things, but like there'll be conversations had at, at board meetings, um, like the presidential team and executive director, like we'll have meetings as well. And to have like things that come up that I want to make sure like this needs to be documented. And, and it, it could probably take another one of these, you know, whoever, however many years down the road, but like that I have that in writing and I'll digitize these things. I mean, sure. There were things that. I've done in like the last week or so. And the purpose was to take notes to then digitize to hyperlink to send in an email. Right. So it's not like it's only staying in the hard copy, but taking the notes at the hard copy was the purpose in the moment to then later digitize and hyperlink and send out. So 
you're certainly a man after my own heart because let me tell you what i have that's exact i have to write stuff down physically i have a calendar book and i if i don't make a list of my tasks and if i don't do all that i'm gonna miss something and i'm gonna feel horrible and it's gonna derail me like it's just it's like come on now like i you know know how you work and then stick with that you know instead of trying to change who you are like recognize right. how you work, you know, and what works well for you and stick with that. So, cause I'll um, tell you, I almost missed, I almost missed someone's open house this summer oof. because the open, <laughs> the open house was, I mean, you say, but like the open house was the Saturday after the conference. That's what I mean. Like it was so late in the summer that, and it was like on a text that I had. Um, so, but I had been at, you know, Port Huron for four days. And then again, like prioritizing family, I was with my family having dinner on a Saturday and a couple other um, students that had already graduated that knew this kid as well were like texting me like, hey, you coming to so-and-so's open house? And I was like, I guess I am, you know, and but like luckily someone texted me and I made it, you know, enough time that it didn't come across as like I missed it or that I had forgotten it. It was perceived that way that I hadn't. But that was a big like. I need something else that's not just in my phone or not just on my my laptop and I need to go back to you know writing it down physically writing and taking those notes even though I love all the digital things I love my iPad Pro I teach from it every day I do I love it I do but like you know there's something to be said about handwriting things out is there any question you wish I would have um, asked you or anything you wish you would have gotten to say that you that you didn't say? Really not necessarily. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit and uh, I mean, I just appreciate you reaching out to me and being like, Hey, would you tell me your story? Cause we'd love to hear your story. And I'm like, sure. I'll tell you my story. And uh, you know, I guess the, the thing I would, I would share too is that, you know, with, with MSVMA, I'm just thinking of that, those years, that have made a difference in my life and knowing that like the the people that are in this organization are just super incredible and super incredibly like supportive they're your cheerleaders they're the people that you can reach out to and as much as people may think that there's some sort of like elitism in msvma there's cer- certainly not i can tell you that from being someone that is like literally in the inner circle of of leadership right now and you know to like the people that i've i've known for years to people that i've met recently you know in like my other roles and and positions to like take that time to connect with people and uh, like text somebody and be like hey would you be interested in me reaching out because like i'm thinking about college students like so i have i have certain personal connections to kids that kids I mean college students that are like you know in their in their early 20s right you know in their like 20 21 22 23 24 like that time as much as I might like to say like oh I'm not that 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 old but when you're about to turn 40 like I'm about to turn 40 in February which is not that old right I, I will admit that too but I'm also not that young I'm not I'm not 23 I'm not part of this generation of like starting my first job of like going into student teaching, um, be going into my like first, second or third year. Um, and that's again, what we've talked about that conference has been able to, to make those connections and to keep those connections going when you as a leader make an intentional decision to reach out to those that may possibly be on the outskirts 
of the people that already found their friends, right? The ones when you like start looking around and like this, this happened at lunch this year too. It was either Wednesday or Thursday. There was someone that like sat down at a lunch table by themselves and someone went over and was like, hey, do you want to join us for lunch? Like their table already had like nine or 10 people. Like it obviously was over full, but it was, it was not full to have another person that may in fact have been lonely. And so I can't tell you the amount of times that people have reached out to me and made a difference. So it's just a super um, honor and privilege for me to be on that, that other side to make sure that I do that as well. Uh, thank you so much for spending time with me. And I'm, I'm so grateful um, that you have shared your story and offered even so much more than I was expecting. I just, this has been a really wonderful experience and I, I really appreciate you. Thanks, Megan. It's been awesome. It's been really great. <laughs> yay, yay. Hey, we, we did it. We did the thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sing Coach Conduct. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can contact Megan Ferrison on Facebook or Instagram or by emailing the singingconductor at gmail.com.